search. Each man different, living his own way, searching, discovering numero uno. Welcome to episode 81 of the BBC show. Welcome back. Hope you had a lovely Christmas with family. A um, bit of a lazy time of the year in it. Lots of food. Food, relaxation. Um, so, you know, there was a new film on Netflix. We both saw it called Don't Look Up. Yeah, it's got a now, all-star cast. Beautiful cast, isn't it? Yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, it's got... Jonah Hill, jo- Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Jennifer Lawrence. Who's the girl, the news anchor girl? Who's that? Which one? What's? I don't know her name. Kate, Kate Blanchett, I think it's called. Uh, amazing cast. It's even got Chris Evans cameo. It's yeah. crazy. And um, you know, I'm not going to spoil it. For those of you who have seen it, um, you, you know, I might kind of, I guess, ref- refer to parts of that film without giving it away. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. I think it's a very, you said, a very important film. Yep. And it's good that they're doing films like that. I think yeah. it's a great message to spread. Exploration of the stupidity of the world at the moment. Yeah, and how little, you know, or how easy influence we are. And I guess some of the issues that we're facing as a, as a society. And and I think, things we prioritize. Yeah. And I think we see these in many domains, um, specifically League of Legends community and gaming community. And look, I don't, I feel like in this podcast, you know, you're the very logical, you rein me in, you know, I'm yeah, like the... Curtis gets out of control, I'm getting <laughs> Bring it back, Curtis, yeah, you know, you're going to get cancelled soon. Because I'm going to burn this podcast to the Curtis ground one day. Yeah, uh, we're, we're happy with that. We're ready to go. You know, we're gonna, I'm going to sink this shit one day, I'm telling you. And then yeah. everyone's going to be here. It's going to be having a breakdown. I'm going to be like that scene on Don't Look Up. When I'm on the I'm on the, uh, talk show. On the talk show and I, I, I lose it. Snap. I'm going to snap one day. Curtis will snap. Yep. Or even if you haven't seen that big short, um, what's his name? Steve Carell. Steve Carell's character. Um, I forgot his name in the movie. Mark Bourne. Mark Bourne. I'm going to lose it. I've had enough. Um, and look, at the end of the day, I you know, we did a video recently on Nice, and I think we we're pretty logical, and we broke that down as, as logical and objective as we possibly could. And I think it's a skill set that I think you're quite good at it. I don't think I'm good at it kind of being like level-headed. And, you know, I don't, and I don't want this podcast to be great, like kind of reacting to other people's takes. Yeah. But I feel like we have a responsibility to the community to kind of level the playing field. And what I mean by that is that it's cool to hate Riot. It's cool to hate on Riot because it gets the clicks. Um, it's, it's just the narrative, isn't it? It's the narrative that is always pushed. You'll never, ever put out a tweet, a video, anything criticizing something Riot's doing, it's a very safe space. Safe space, isn't it? You You're can't go wrong. You're never going to get, um, you know, people be like, people are going to be with you yep. on the bandwagon. You're going to get the, yeah. Herd mentality. The fans will, yeah, herd mentality. That's, it's literally herd mentality. And um, I got linked to a video recently in the MLA Discord. From I like a- how your Discord just compiles. It's like, Curtis, what's this? Because they know, especially our communities, they know when they see bullshit, right? Yeah, in a way. And, they've, and they've- they just send us stuff all the time. It's like, okay, yeah. They're, they're, like, I think that what we're doing great with this podcast is 
we're starting to increase our bullshit detectors, you know, for people that watch this. It's like, okay, this this is ridiculous. This is where this guy's coming from. This is this guy's incentive to say this. This is what the community is doing and why they're blindly following this. And this is their level of skill. You People are good at now seeing the narratives that are at play. They're aware of it and they can kind of take a step back and be like, wow. Yeah. Like this is... This is exactly what was spoken about on the BBC show. Not just other people, but also themselves. That's and the their friends. One. Their friends as well. That's a yeah. big one. I yeah. think a lot of people in our Discord say, I, mean, you know, I can see this in my friend. Can you help me? With I mean, my how friend? many people have written into us in this podcast saying, you know, they they really actually hate playing with their friends now because they just they just so bored of hearing these narratives in the league community. Same thing, all the time. over and over again. You know, they're bored and it just makes them worse. Because once you step out of it, a relationship with the game. What was it, Blob? Blob. Yep. Blob was a great example. He wrote in saying. He started, he relapsed, he started playing with his friends, then he relapsed on the whole three block process and the healthy relationship with the game, the growth mindset. That's how dangerous it is. And, you know, I got um, linked this video from a classic league influencer. His name is Scrooge. Um, and he made a video the other day. Uh, I think it was five, five or so days ago called One Item is Destroying the Meta. Short video, nine minutes long, talking about the crown. Crown item. Shattered crown, yep. Yep, shattered crown. <clears throat> um, and it's got 100,000 views. And I took a look at it. So you sit there, you're watching it. Yep. And look, what I'm going to do, I'm going to kind of break down what his arguments were, similar to what we did with the knees video. And then I kind of want to, again, break down the narratives. And again, in a way, I'm actually going to be on Riot's side. I have to be. I have to be an advocate for Riot. I'm not paid. We're not paid by Riot. People they, don't think that. that we <laughs> people think we're like we're like in maybe, the comments. Curtis, the Riot apologist. Here we go again. Riot, Riot Coach Curtis and Riot. Coach Curtis, Riot Games. I don't know why you don't have Riot Coach Curtis in your IGN. Curtis. I mean, Riot man. They 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 don't even yeah. We, we're under the radar, but we, we have to because the scale is so far skewed, skewed onto the onto the side hate of riot. hate riot mm. that someone's got to be on their side. Someone's got to even out the playing field a little bit so we can actually get an objective view of reality because it's not we, we are not able to see reality at the moment because of the narratives, okay? And so basically he goes on to talk about um, how this, you know, the, the crown is, you know, really unbalanced, um, and that it's kind of making casters really overpowered and it's destroyed, quote, um, assassins are effectively useless now. Um, and, you know, it goes on to talk about how, you know, I'll go on a second, but that's kind of like the fundamental part of it. Now, he did, Ray, he did kind of go back and forth talking about how casters, play people who play mages, like, you know, Victor and Oriana, they should be very conscious of their positioning. But he was saying how this is so far ridiculous that um, they can just now walk up and face tank and then it doesn't even matter. And then the item is so unbelievably overpowered that, you know, it breaks the game in a way. He, he talks about how the game is just, you know, they're destroying the game, blah, blah, blah. And um, now we need to caveat this entire video by talking about who is this guy? Who is Scrooge? Who is he? I had to do a bit of research. I didn't really know. I hadn't heard of him. And um, this guy... He's a classic league streamer. Makes, so he streams and does YouTube. Streams and YouTube. Does a lot of like, I guess, funny content, I guess. Yeah. Stuff like that. And um, I think he plays a bit of jungle, plays a bit of mid lane, plays a bit of everything really, but I think he's mainly a jungle, kind of flip flops between mid and jungle. <clears throat> and um, I'm like, okay, given this guy has some very strong opinions and some makes some very bold claims, to kind of see this guy's background, to get a little bit of insight into how... 
what this guy's worldview is like. What's his, what rank is he and how often does he play the game, you know? So, I, you know, I looked at his OBGG, found his main account, NA. He, I'm going to bring it up right here. His main account is, uh, so he's, start, he's been playing since season four by the looks of things. His main account has been, he was gold in season four, then platinum, then gold, 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 gold. Now he's you know sits around gold three mid mid to low gold um, plays a lot he plays a bit of Garen jungle at the moment bit of kale mid last season what did he play here he played a lot of Nasus he's a bit of a Nasus player bit of Shaco um, before season before that bit of again Shaco Hecarim Trindamir things like that some I guess niche niche picks now. You know, this guy, what really, I guess, aggravates me personally, and again, this is from a defending the community aspect and protecting the, 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 the relationship of the game from a lot of the viewers, is that he speaks as if you're stupid to disagree. He has this tone where it's like, if you, this is so obvious, obvious. Blatantly obvious. This is so blatantly obvious. If you disagree with this, it, it, that's the tone that he has within the entire video. So yeah, even at the end of the video, when he asks, what do you think? He's already, he's given you such a one-sided argument that you'd be, you'd be an idiot or you wouldn't even be incentivized to take the, the differing stance because you'd be outcasted by the, by the quote-unquote league community anyway and you're going up against his opinion. Now, I get it. There's a lot of people here that he, you know, he probably has a lot of casuals and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it, just because you've played the game since season four doesn't mean doesn't give you the right to have such bold claims and such bold opinions. And I want to kind of use a few examples and a few analogies to kind of get a different, a more holistic view here. Because the, the the easiest thing I can just picture here, it's like, oh god, Curtis is going for the rank. He's jabbing at the rank. Curtis and Nathan are rank shaming on the rank. Program yeah, yeah. Podcast. I mean, look, I, I can only tell the the comments are going to be like, you guys are so negative, rank shaming, blah blah blah. But you're just tearing down other people. I'm being completely honest here. Let's. I'll give you an example. Um, in a way, I've noticed a trend in the league community that the lower elo you are, the stronger the opinions. Which is crazy, isn't it? <laughs> It's a bit of a trend. Yeah, I, that's I've form. also found the same thing. Yes, the lower ELO people are, the stronger opinions they have, which is very interesting. Well, I think it makes sense because they don't know. You don't know what you, you don't, don't know. know. That's right. You don't know what you don't know, and you don't it, because you don't understand how is you're, the Dunning Kruger effect is that. I'm not 100 percent sure, but what I do know is that because you don't know how you're negatively or positively impacting games, and because you don't know how to replicate certain game yep. states. Everything feels like it's out of your control. So you, the the first thing you're going to default to is itemization, champions, metas, champion tier lists, all that shit. That's what you're going to default to. So that's the narrative that so is it makes sense why why someone that's not an expert or something would have actually a more convincing boulder because they don't have all the information. That's correct. And League in general is a very complicated game. Very complicated game. Now, we're reading a book recently called Influence, right? And it talks about how humans are psychologically influenced by all these different ways through cognitive biases, psychology, and stuff like that, right? And one of them is that there's an appeal to expert. You know, as an expert, if someone deems themselves to be an expert, we are a lot more influenced by these people. And they did a bunch of experiments where... If you put like a doctor in front of your name or you, you know, you're, you're the CEO of this, even if we're in a domain that has nothing to do with that, that field, they're going to trust their opinion more because they're deemed to be an expert. Yeah. And what I, what I have found with, with a lot of these, um, quote unquote, educational or quote unquote, like league enthusiasts or 
league influencers is entertainers. They ma- they ma- masquerade as, as experts through the way they talk and how many followers they have and how many followers they have. That's correct. Now, their backup, their ammunition, the foundation that gives them in their mind the right to have such a strong opinion is that they've been playing the game for such a long time. So he'll say, oh, you know, I've been playing the game for years. You know, I've been streaming this game for years. I've been playing for years all the time. Look at me at my games played. That is a vi- You cannot conflate the amount of games played and how long you've done something with, with being an expert. There's some overlap, but there's a lot of differences. You've got to be very careful here. I'm going to give you an example. I've cooked thousands of meals in my life. I started cooking. We learned how to cook in high school, kind mm-hmm. of like we did cooking mm-hmm. classes. We've cooked dinners. We've cooked breakfast. We've cooked lunches. I don't know jack shit about cooking. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you anything. I know how to cook a steak very barely. I really don't have any expertise when it comes to cooking in the field of cooking. Just because I have done it for 10 years, you know, multiple years doesn't mean I'm an expert because I haven't pursued mastery. I haven't put the time and effort to really learn the intricacies and the details of that craft. I haven't viewed it as a craft or something that I'm taking very seriously. Sort of just like a to-do thing. It's like, oh, well, I got to cook to eat. Right. And for him, I'm assuming he's kind of got to do it because it's a career for him and a job and he's just kind of going through the motions and he's played it very casually for a very long time. Games played doesn't always correlate with being an expert in a given field or time. I mean, spent. I, I can I can definitely. Kurt doesn't know shit about food, guys. Like not at all. Nothing. <laughs> you should have seen my meals. Even know not good. What spices go together? No, Nathan's yeah. a better cook than me. He's on way less. No, that just shows you've I'm, you've cooked. You know better. You know way, way more than me. You really reckon? You're Maybe. you're better a cook than me for sure. When we live together, you yeah. would cook better meals than me for sure. Your stir fries and your pasta. Okay. Well, I'm still beyond. What is this? If there's anything below amateur, that's what I'm like a little baby, <laughs> yeah. like a little child. And you and you rose a good analogy about the gym, right? Yeah. The same. Well, we were talking today. Like we know, like a couple of friends of ours that have been going to the gym for a long time, and they're no stronger. You know, and. Just because you rock up to go to the gym, there's so many ways you can like cheat exercise. You don't really push yourself. You don't really care about it. Yeah, you don't really care about it, right? You know, it's like, I mean, we're doing the, you know, we always talk about the five by five strength program. Like we're gaining strength at a hard rate, a quick rate, but we're like, you know, doing the protein shake, the creatine, the, you know, we, we push ourselves at failure every basically, you know, set that we do. So, you know, it's, it's such a good analogy just because you show up to the gym doesn't mean you're an expert. And no. like, I'm not an expert either no. still. <laughs> but I'm, I probably know a lot more than someone, like it's probably, you know, the people that we know, they've been going for the gym for yes. so long. I'm stronger than them yeah, already. Crazy. And I've been going for a year. Because they just don't do it Because I've had actual effort thinking about this is what I'm going to do. This is the program I'm going to follow. This is the program that mm. works. 100%. So, it, you know, it's very important to caveat this entire thing with this. So, sure, you can have, these people can have opinions, but they don't caveat it with it. I'm, you know, this is just one opinion and, you know, I could be wrong here. And they don't really think deeply about what the hell's at play here. In my Cassiopeia guide, I've been, I played Cassio at a pro level. I played it for, at a challenge level for years. And I went back to Cassio, learned it from basically from scratch in a mind to make sure that I kind of knew what I was talking about. For your guide. For my guide. And even then in my guide, even though I dominated, like I was like 70% win rate to Master Tier, like smurfing in Master Tier essentially, I still said four times within the guide, this is just my opinion. There are many different ways to play Cassiopeia. This is just my my interpretation. Even then, because I know I, I don't want to push the message that this is if it. You don't play this, you're an idiot. I don't want to push that message, right? And it's so fascinating. The high, like I I'm only saying this because I know what I don't know. I know that there are other interpretations. I know there's other high elo players. I, in a way, I'm, I'm kind of aware that 
I don't know a lot of shit because we've been doing coaching for so long, playing for so long at a high level. We learn so much every day. And according to this trajectory, there is still a hell of a lot of things out there that we don't know. And and I think that being humble and, and this curiosity, it fuels us in a way to have better quality opinions. So these people have opinions, but they're so low quality. If, and, and this is the thing I hate nowadays. We spoke about this in the MLA as well. was like, people can have opinions, but like, just because you have opinion doesn't mean people need to listen to you. Like there's good quality opinions and highly educated opinions from experts. And then there's low quality opinions. And right now, a big problem within the league community and the league culture is that we can't differentiate. People aren't able or don't have the skill set or the toolkit nor the knowledge to be able to differentiate between the experts and the non-experts. So people are getting pulled in all these different directions to have a negative relationship with the game based off some, you know, some casual. Some casual that doesn't know jack shit about the game. This guy barely knows the fundamentals of the game. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, to go back to this video, he had the most ridiculous, like, this take that really aggravated me. He's talking about casters, right? And he said, he, look, he's, to give him the credit, he spoke about how he says he's always respected casters players because you've got to be very spatially aware. Positioning is really important. Like, positioning is very important, right? Yeah. He, he said that within the video, and that's totally true. Mm. But then what he said was, but now you can build this one item, and then, like, you know, adult, like, or no, what, to, to, sorry, to retract that, Sammy said, casters can always just sit back and do damage. Like, it's all about positioning. How do you know about what casters need to do to climb in solo queue and how they play? That is not how mages play in solo queue at all. If you watch any good quality mage player, that is not the way League of Legends has played out. Maybe in season fucking three, when you sit there in the front to back with a Nivea and put your R out, sure. When are you ever going to be sitting there? I mean, okay, I would say one in every 10 fights, are you able to sit back and take no damage? No matter what, you're taking damage from somewhere. Either someone's, a Camille's flanking your ass or someone's diving you on the back line or someone's coming in from the side or the fight's so chaotic you're getting there late. There's some AoE. There's some AoE. There's, just, there's some like, you know, there's some like Yone that's going through the entire team or like a, a Darius is running forward into you. There is so much multi-threat within the game. The way the game has evolved is that to play a mage at high elo, it's hard. It's very, very difficult. What does this guy know about playing mages and climbing through the ranks with a mage? Yeah, he plays Kale and he plays he doesn't Darren. Have, have any merit to comment on something like that? So, so you can't really comment on the effectiveness or non-effectiveness or how mage players should or shouldn't play. And he wouldn't know what's broken and what's not broken. Yeah, you it's can't know not... what's broken and what's not broken. Now, I'm not saying Crown isn't objectively strong. It is objectively strong, and I've covered this in my videos. Riot. Put two and two together, numbnut. You're in preseason. Look at the trends over the years. You, you said you've been playing the game for seven, eight years, whatever. They buff a lot of items at the beginning of the year in preseason. So then they can tone it down to balance it out a little bit before the pro season, before the competitive season starts, which makes a lot of sense. Now, people have complained about Burst being in the game and it can't, not being able to play majors because of all the multi-threat. And then they put one item in there that can actually protect mages. Yes, albeit it is a little bit overtuned. And now everyone says, Riot's destroying the game. The game's, right. <laughs> the game's ruined. Assassins are over. You can't... What? Like, Riot can't even... No matter what Riot do, whether they buff mages, nerf mages, this item, it doesn't fucking matter what they do because they're always going to get torn down by these people. There's always going to be some idiot on YouTube making a video about, the game is doomed. Riot's ruining it all. The game is going backwards. From some idiot who, you know, so who just plays, you know, Shaco and Gold 
like you don't you, how can you have that strong opinion caveat it and and it's just the constant narratives that is not looking at the specifics and then to top it off this one made it even more ridiculous he literally made a screenshot he put a screenshot in the video and it said it showed like a Lux who built it was like a, t- a twelve and two Lux that that built like Crown or whatever it was, and then he showed the screenshot of the of the in the game and he was playing he had a Fizz and and, and he was playing Garen Jungle and he says now as soon as this Lux builds this item I like, can't do anything I can't do anything anymore dude you're playing Garen Jungle <laughs> into a Lux bro it's embarrassing what are you what are you talking about yeah. you're saying that the Fizz played perfectly like. This, and even if that wasn't his intention, his intention is to kind of show that Crown is an objectively strong item. And I have nothing wrong with that take. Crown is an objectively strong item. But it's a very healthy way. The game has to go in this direction because playing a mage otherwise without it is unhealthy. Yes, I'm sure Riot could do a better job of like altering the numbers, but the intention is there. So it's like I'm getting... We have to kind of compensate for Riot in a way here on the BBC show... Because no one's on their side. And because if everyone's making these videos about X item being OP and X item ruining the game, imagine a poor gold player or a new player that's coming to the game, some casual player who just come from Arcane, clicks on this dude's channel because he's quite funny or whatever you want. You, you might be your cup of tea. He's popular again. Or he's he popular again. You know, heaps. I mean, let's see how many subscribers he has. That video got 100,000. That video got 100,000, but he has like... Here we go. Sorry. Well, we're going to advertise with um, you. Giving him money here. Um, 358,000 subscribers. Yeah. You know, it's one of the big ones. One of the big ones. And um, and I am frustrated. And that's why I'm tying back to Don't Look Up, that movie. I'm like that the Leonardo DiCaprio on the... There's a comet flying to Earth. There's a comet coming to Earth. It's no, so obvious. No one believes You get into me. the details. And everyone else is blinded by everything, all the media and all the... the sexy, funny, fun stuff. It's just... I'm just... You know... We, we're just going backwards. We we go one step forwards, and then all the other things go seventeen steps back. We're like we're just chipping away at this useless shield that's not going to get penetrated. I always you know? think about this in terms of like bigger picture. Like, what does everyone want? So, like, okay, so let's say if the game's perfectly balanced, right? Does that mean you're able to instantly get to challenge? Does that mean everyone's challenger? Like. I had this this one guy specifically who uh, insults you. He, he will know who he is, but he always comes in with general statements. And I, I keep telling him, like, I don't... Let's get specific. Like, here's, a, here's every narrative in the book. Like, here's the, yeah. he's got it all written down. Yeah. He's memorized everything from every content oh, creator, no. right? And it's just again and again. And then we get into the VOD. You know, the mistakes are obviously 10 minutes before that got to that yep. situation, yep. you know? And... Um, yeah, like the, I'm so disconnected from general statements because it's not the problem. It's not the problem. You're missing the point. Everyone's missing the point, you know? So like, he's going to give me complaining about Shattered Queen, but he can't even play the lane fights correctly. Or like, he's not tracking or doing the fundamentals. So, so, but that's what I'm thinking. Like, so, you know, like, let's say this item doesn't exist. Does that mean everyone, because I'm assuming people complain about the game because they're not getting the results they want or... I, is that maybe yeah. that's the wrong take? I think I think this is what it is. So tying back to what we read that reading and influence, right? There's a section in the book that talks about loss aversion in a way, where or, or where humans hate getting something taken away from us. So there was like a there was a did I talk about this on the podcast last episode with the right. Coke, the new Coke and the Diet Coke? No, I don't think you did. Okay, so there's a story in the book that talks. This is a true story 
when Coke, I think it was in the 70s or 80s, they came out with a new formula for Coca-Cola. Have you read that bit in the book yet? No, I'm not And um, so, you know, Coke was obviously very popular, a huge part of American culture. And they they altered the formula. So it's, it's called the new Coke, new Coca-Cola came out. And then there was outrage in the, in the country saying, you know, we want old Coke back. We want old Coke back. And then what happened? What happened is that they actually blind that before this, up until they released new Coca Cola, they did all of these experiments, all these like experiments, blind, blind assessment, uh, like experiments, saying without knowing which is the new Coke and which is the old Coke, and the overwhelming majority preferred the new Coke, right? And the re- there was two. I think there's two things at play here. Number one, we prefer things that we can't have. Right, we we genuinely prefer things that we can't. If something we can't have, or something scarce, like it's scarcity, scarce, yeah. or it's very scarce, or we can't have it, it's very limited. We automatically assume that it's better, worth we, more. more, worth more, and and we we want it more. So that was that's where Coca Cola misinterpreted the data, obviously, because they they Got saw it. that. Yeah. So there's that, but also. Um, because they would you prefer new Coke or old Coke? There was that element of things, but then there was also another one where if you take away the old Coke, you're taking away someone's freedoms in a way, and they want they want what they used to have. Mm. So even if like new Coke, if they kind of didn't replace it, they maybe introduced it alongside it. Maybe there wouldn't have been the outrage, and people kind of would have chosen. But the fact that you removed the old formula, it made it cause a huge outrage, which is where I think is kind of happening with COVID and the and the lockdowns, it's like you're removing freedoms from people and that's a very dangerous thing to do. And there's many examples in the book that talks about removing freedoms. Like um, there was one in Russia where um, some guy came into power and gave people more freedoms and then they overrid him, the government, and then they took him, then they took away the freedoms of people and then people were protesting. We want our freedoms back because they had it once. Mm. And what I feel like these people, they kind of, they're falling into these biases and they're falling into these psychological things in the head. Sure, you had this once. And that's why people reminisce on the old school League of Legends. We reminisce as... Season four was the best. Season, season four was, was the best. X was the best. I missed when this did this. Sure, you miss it, but you don't actually... You, you can't be very... You can't be logical and objective about what is is or isn't better because we're, we're psychologically influenced to want what we can't have. Mm. And I think a lot of this stuff is like, everyone's just falling into these traps. I think it's what it is. We're just falling into these traps. Oh, I used to be able to burst this guy and now I can't. That's annoying, and now I'm gonna. I want to complain about it. This is yeah. what it is. This yeah. is com- complaining because that's how we feel. Everyone's just getting influenced by them, their emotions over and over again, and making videos out of it. And because everyone else feels that way, it's a great way to get clicks because people feel that same way. Yeah, and it's very yeah. It's, it's very safe. You're always going to be have your, the herd follow you there. Yeah. Um. So there's. I mean, for that that book, by the way, it's fa- it's, fascinating. it's fascinating. If you're not in the book club, we're doing that. Um. Even if you're not in the book club and you want a book to read. That is an exceptional book, influenced by Robert Caldini. A lot of the stories and the psychological stuff it talks about is just mimics. It just highlights exactly the the herd behavior of the league community mm. and Reddit and everything. It's mm. incredible. Um, so you know, look, you know, in a way, it's got a cool bullshit on these content creators because you know they're ruining people's relationship with the game. They're overemphasizing details that aren't important whatsoever. People complaining about XI like Ludens versus Crown. I look at a vod of like one of these players, you've missed your first three E's as Lux. Is the damage that you're going to get from this item going to make up for the fact that you just missed these three E's? You miss one ability, you're already out damaging. It doesn't matter what the fuck item you build, dude. Mm. Like you've already out damaged whatever, you can build whatever you want. Mm. The premise is you just do the basics first. Don't die to a gank, get a good reset, 
ward onto one side and hit your abilities first, and then we can maybe talk about itemization later on. Yeah. And 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 I don't blame and I don't blame the the community for thinking like this because these these people are in, shoving it down their throat, shoving it down their throat with clickbait content. Mm. You know, it's and it's it's aggravating. It really is aggravating. So I got my rant done. There we go. You headed there first, Curtis. Fr- and now I'm just going to get roasted by some Scrooge fanboys here anyway. No freedom of speech. Unless you're Challenger, Curtis doesn't give a shit about your opinion. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. No, but it is important. It is important to check people's merit. And oh, yeah, okay. L- and let's say if he Way made this entire things. video with yeah. the caveat saying, look, you know, I haven't really played this that much. This is my experience. You know, this is my experience. And like, you know... Or said, you know, this is not that important in reference to just getting being better at the game, but yeah. but, but, but you know, it's maybe worth talking this about. This is annoying. This is an annoying item, and you know, hopefully that they make changes like they propose, and you know, you can kind of see how you can make a video, but it's a pointless video at the end of the day anyway. So that's what people want to watch, right? Obviously, obviously, yeah. Um, moving on. All right, so. Speaking of Riot Games and direction and balance changes, there was an interesting article that was posted. Um, when was this? Nine days ago. And the title of this article was Quick Gameplay Thoughts on December 17th. What's next? Uh, so I'm, I'm just going to read this article and we can like break down certain points. It's pretty short. It's not that long. Alright, so this is from Hi Fox. This is Riot Axis here to talk about some upcoming gameplay plans, talking about the preseason. Um, they said preseason 22 is looking pretty stable, and with the year coming to an end, it's a good time to talk about a few things on our minds for next year. Let me just quickly change yep. the camera here, and there we go. Alright, so short term plans. Most of the preseason 2022 seems to have landed well, with the Hextech Drake in good shape and Objective Bounties looking solid after some adjustments. However, we're still actively monitoring the Chemtank, Drake's Terrain, and Dragon Soul. Based on our observations, we're shipping a small change in patch 12.1, adding some Scrying Bloom plants. Those are the plants that you get that give you vision in the jungle. In in locations that should improve the defending team's experience in their own jungle. Uh, we knew that the chem tank Drake would be a spicy addition, and we'll continue to keep an eye on it. Any comments around that, Curtis? That's very fair. I think that's a really good. Like, I like the way they're thinking, you know, because the stealth is kind of hard to deal with. I would say, I mean, of all the maps, the the stealth that is the biggest game changer. It changes map. a lot. It changes a lot, dude. The yeah. game feels so different, dude. Stealth, it's stealth is true. There's true interactions in league that I think are very difficult to to balance because you can't measure them. Healing. And stealth, they break the game in a way, mm. and 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 I, I think that you know, I like that they're thinking like that about stealth. You know, yeah, yeah, they're definitely aware that. Well, because think about stealth; it's not it's not defense. It's not purely defense. It's not it's not purely offense. Yeah, it's not something that you can kind of like measure how much damage one person can or can't do. It's not a stat that you can just like. It's like invisible threat, and it th- and it's yeah threat, and that's why Eve is. It's a very Ugh, it's not a good chance design <laughs> for, from that reason. Yeah. I don't like it because it's just ugh, something about it. There's something about it. But yeah. That's, I mean, there's counterplay to, to stealth. There's counterplay to Eve. You just group, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. But but at the same time, the. Um, control wards. At the same time, though, like, I think that 
the stealth, stealth as a concept. I'm not saying it's ba- balanced or not, but it's just a tricky. It's very tricky. It's tricky, thing. tricky, tricky, bicky. Very tricky. All right, so there are several other areas of the game we're looking at too. In 12.1, the teleport summoner spell will change significantly. Before 14 minutes, the new teleport has a longer cooldown. It can only target towers, so you can't deep into minions anymore. Before 14 minutes, we talked about that change yep. on the last episode. We thought that was overall pretty good. Yep. We were happy with that. Um, so they said in this season, teleport had way too much early game influence on the outcomes of other lanes. Our goal is to limit that influence and eliminate some problematic edge cases while retaining its ability to stabilize losing lanes, allow mid to late game side lane and create opportunities for flanks. So that's good. We're, all, yep, we're happy we with that. that, we're, that. Yeah. <clears throat> we're also looking to change some fighter items. In particular, Sterax Gauge has become a universal purchase, washing out the differences between bruisers like Darius or Alari versus light fighters like Fiora or Aurelia. We're also working on other items, most likely more of Malmorius and Death Dance, so that champions moving off Sterax will have adequate alternatives. We don't have a ship date for that yet, but it's definitely been the first half of 2022. So you don't play those really type of champs, Curtis, but you know, your Sterax is definitely every you just build it, it's just in your right. build. Like I I think extra diversity there like it's, it's obviously the it's best just, it's just too on. obvious that you just want to buy it yeah. even if it's not like designed for your champ in a way yeah yeah like you know it pops a fat shield you're strong you know yeah. it's just too it's versatile just it's very good we're also uh so that's good that they're adding yep. other items to those fighters we're also working on some mid scope champion adjustments our next two projects are jana and ari early in the year two previously popular champions who have fallen out of favor lately these will be smaller in scope than the Tom Kench rework, but we will substantially uh, think of Lucian's recent update. This sort of work has gone well so far, so we're building upon our process for it in the upcoming year. Better defining our goals and how we'll pick the target. So this is like not full reworks, but like they want to make some adjustments to Jana and Ari yep. and stuff. You know, that's funny because on our server, we had a lot of like Ari super high elo players. Dude. That champ was annoying, dude. But I, I've got a specific take on Ari. Yeah. This is, uh, I'm going to interject here. Yeah. So this is controversial. So right, I, Ari's a popular champ. It used to be a lot more popular. Yeah. It's kind of got less popular. We have a few Ari mains in the MLA. Now I've outright said, I, I try to prevent people from playing this champ as much as possible. Whoa. I think Ari is the definition of an outdated champion. Yeah. Okay. Fundamentally outdated. Yeah. The problem with Ari, so, so Ari is what you would call a generalist, all right? A generalist is something that, I don't know if there's one in the jungle, um, maybe like a Lee Sin, kind of like a generalist. You're, you, you're good at, you're not, you don't excel at any one thing, okay. but you're good across the board. Yep. The difference between, say, a Lee Sin, though, and an Ari is that Lee Sin is fundamentally, it, it's the, the kit is well designed and it has a lot more utility. For the jungle position. For the jungle well. position specifically. The problem with Ari and in mid lane specifically is that being a generalist in mid lane, it's not, it makes your identity very unclear and it makes the what you want to do in the game very unclear. Interesting. So I talk a lot about League, in this, so one, this is my kind of coaching mantras is that you want to you wanna have a clear, a, a clear as possible reference point as possible. So what I mean by reference point is something that 
think of it as like a North Star. It's it's something that is influenced. It's like what you want to do next. It's something that's pointing you in the right direction. This is like you're learning a champ, champ mastery. Like you know what a great game looks like with this champion because it's really obvious the North Star. Yes, like what the yeah. champion's ranks are. But even then, it's like because think about league. There are so even in the jungle, there are so many decisions you can make. Do I do I gank? Do I farm? Mm. Do I do an objective? Do I reset? Do I full clear? Do I want to do these advanced games? In order to determine what to do, you need to think about. You need to have a reference point, something that's coherent with your champion's identity. The problem with a generalist is that that having a clear reference point, it doesn't. It's very hard and it's not intuitive. So when you play Ari, you don't know what you should be doing. You actually don't know. So when I think so, Ari's does she have good wave clear? She has okay wave clear, doesn't she? Or is, is general good? Is this general? Oh, okay, so everything's general. general. Okay. So general wave clear, general burst. Your trading, general is, threat, general trading. average. Okay. Everything is average. Most of your ability, think about your your Q is unreliable as trading because it's so it's kind of mid range and yeah. easy to avoid. So you yeah. need it your charm, but charm gets blocked by minions. Yeah, you have high mana costs. Yeah, and your your damage is actually kind of low. Like it's kind of is yeah. it really? But if you hit a charm though, yeah. If you don't hit the charm, you're useless. Yeah, but think about it. Think about it. Most champions that are very burst oriented that kind of want a hundred to zero you. They have more threat. Like Ari, a lot of the time can't just randomly hundred to zero you. It's not like an Annie. Or it's not like a. It's not like something that that's can randomly, true. Yeah. So it's like you get a lot of people to like eighty percent HP or something. Got it. You know, but that twenty percent HP. But then you blow your all. You blow everything. You get every, sorry. You get some everyone to twenty percent HP yeah. or someone twenty percent HP. Them off. But then you're like you can't finish them off. You can't play shove and move because then you're if you use your abilities on the wave you'll get traded on. And it's just not reliable when you go oom. Um. Yeah. So like, it's very awkward to know what to do. And I think what's happened is that Riot have kind of had Ari as this champ that it's, you know, the elements of it are cool aesthetically and things like that. But she's got outdated. And what I've what I've said is that there's no reason to play Ari anymore. You might as well just play like a Vex. Vex has better wave clear. It has better burst. It has better utility. There's just champs that do her job in every regard just better. And I think they need to rework her basically completely. I, they need to make her... Because back in the day, when when she was really viable, that's when she was a clear assassin identity. She was, she had DFG. She was a very burst-oriented mm. pick assassin because she had damage. She had burst damage. Mm. But I think what happened, they realized that if you, if you give her too much damage then her wave clear gets too high and then she kind of breaks the game. So you, then you need to find a way to put burst on her kit yep. in a reliable fashion, but then just play fizz. It's just, it's just weird, you mm. know? So I think that like that start type of champ, a generalist, won't even be made anymore and they're just outdated as, as a champ design. Um, and yeah, Ari's is one of the, one of the few. So if you're out there and you're not in the MLL Soul 2, just if you're kind of learning to climb through, especially through gold, what you want to do, like step number one is think about what does my champion want to do? At Like you need to be, do I want to farm to X item? Do I want to be heavy trading because I want to be trying to go for a solo kill? Do I want to be ganking all the time? Because that's my, you know, what, what does your champion like to do and why? And when? And what levels are you strong? What items are you strong? You need to be clear on these things because that is what's going to prevent you what I said today, if you don't know, if you don't have a reference point, you don't know what to say yes to and you don't know what to say no, no to. Yeah. In terms of fights, decision making. Decision making. You don't know. Yeah. And if you don't know what to say no to, mm. what's going to happen? Nothing is going to be replicable. Yep. And you're just going to be And lost. I had someone this morning come in, Akali, he's learning the game through Akali. Mm. You cannot learn the game through Akali. I've said this, I mean, it's, I'm not okay. You can, but it's 
incredibly difficult. You're making the game a lot harder. Mm. And I said, I said to him, your trading patterns, it, it, Akali's not a champion that has a very specific way of trading. You, some, you got, sometimes you've got to use your abilities reactively. Mm. You've got to use your E reactively. You've got to use your shroud to use the movement speed to avoid a skill shot. Like it's, it's a very dynamic tri- type of trading. you got to be creative. It's a lot and of creativity. Champions with a lot of dynamic kits, mm. Zoe, Akali, even like Yasuo in a way, that can be very awkward for people to learn the game because you don't know how to replicate certain things. That's why Annie is so good for a lot of introductory mid laners because your reference point is so goddamn clear. I'm going to walk out with my stun. I'm going to get a trade. I'm going to use my E for defense and I'm going to one shot at six, ignite, electrocute, boom. Like you just know what you got to do. So then you can actually learn the game holistically and gain spatial awareness and situational awareness. You know, it's, it's and so that's why people say Annie. So that's like the underlying reason: reference points, reference points, reference points. Trying to think of like champions in the jungle that become generals. I mean, I mean, jungle in a position that can have a really good map influence, no matter what champ you're playing, right? Like another day, if a waves are really stacking, then you've got you know you can pretty much dive that on any champ, right? Like that's not true. too much. I mean, champs, other champs are better at it than others. Like you know, like I play a lot of Lee and Rexa. But if you think about it, Nathan, okay, let's say. Like, Udia went from, with the items, very clear identity, right? Like, mm. super tanky, insane engaged, did lots of damage. But what you did with Udia when you climbed, you gave him an identity. I gave him an identity. Udia yeah. was a generalist, in yeah. a way. Or then people went on different tangents. There was the da- hardcore damage, like, like hardcore, was it really high damage Phoenix stance, was it? Or Tiger stance? Tiger stance, yeah. And then there was the more tanky turtle stance, Phoenix stance for yeah. wave uh, jungle clearing and, like, no really utility. That but that was your, yeah. you, that you gave yourself a reference point. Yeah. In a way, that's what I mean by reference point. This is this is outside of wing conditions. This is completely irrespective of wing conditions. Mm. This is kind of like what your champ fundamentally likes to do. Do you like to? Are you like a carry jungler? Are you appealing utility? Or not saying all these junglers can gank, right? Shivana can still gank if a kill is a kill, right? On a stacked wave, but like, what does the champ want to do? I think that's why I think Lee Sin, in a way, is a generalist because you can do many things. You can fill many shoes. You can be appeal. You can, yeah, you can both peel, and that's why he's... Yeah, that's he's why it's hard, hard yeah. for introduction. You, you peel, you jungler can also should not play Lee Sin, not because he's mechanically demanding. I think that's one aspect of it, but it's not, it's not intuitive what you want to do. Do you yeah. want to full clear and just farm, farm, As farm? As you said with the card, it's a lot of reactive. You know, it's like the way you play fights is very reactive. I mean, yeah. sometimes there's an opportunity to get a pick on a squishy. Sometimes you need to play slow front to back. And that's why... Versus someone like Eve, it's like pure pick side lane. Oh, Nunu. You know? Nunu, clear identity. Pure just W, snowball. Like your entire champ. If you can't hit a snowball, you lose the game. And I love that. And, and, and so Lee Sin, it's even difficult to come up with an analogy with a champ like Lee Sin. You can give you can give an analogy with the kind of the way they fight, but even then it's dependent on the scenario. That's right. And that's what I, I, I did with, with we do our guys. We give an analogy to like what the mindset should be like. With my Cassio guide, I did Mike Tyson. You got to be willing to take damage or get in someone's range and really skill check and use mm. the mechanics because you can't do damage otherwise. So that's a mindset. Now I know I got to head into this fight with the intention to kind of get in range and kind of play that distance and you know get in get because I I'm, I'm strong if I can get in range, but if I don't, if I play like a bitch, I'm just not going to do my damage. That's a mindset. What's the mindset of a Lee, you know, in gold? It's it's like it's you, hard. It's hard. You it's depending be, on the situation. It's a real reliant on fundamentals, just mechanics overall. Well, ga- and game sense game and game sense, understanding yeah. of wing cons and who's strong and who's fed. Yeah. That's what that's probably why Nathan you sometimes you would struggle to articulate why Lee Sin isn't good. That's yeah, a good in point. In goals. Yeah. The reference point is not clear. You don't have enough understanding of the game to really adapt 
to your uh, surroundings. You need to know, you need to anticipate everything, isn't it? Mm. Those certain champs, that's actually even talking through it now, why Akali doesn't work and why Zoe doesn't work because you're sometimes you do have to be reactive. Sometimes you've got to hold your bubble. Sometimes you've got to use it proactively. Sometimes with Akali, you've got to use your E. Sometimes you've got to use it reactively. Yeah. It's overwhelming for it an is. introductory It's player. very hard it's to learn. It's overwhelming. Yeah, it's very hard to learn the game through those champs, I agree. Versus, I mean, all the people that have had massive success in Soul 2 have played very... I mean, my again, my most successful guy was Olaf, right? Just people were just there because that was so clear of what you want to do yeah. every game. And if you yeah. didn't do it, you lost the game. It's really simple. And you know, even you get if it's not the best plan, it's a plan. plan yeah. It's a, it's a reference point. Because mm. sometimes having a reference point it's just, that's all you need. Just a reference point. It'll prevent you from making mistakes. Well, that's what I always said to my Ari players who are playing Ari. I said, fuck it. Even if this isn't the most efficient way to play Ari, it's a way. Just all in on it. Just, so I say like, just play this burst oriented style of like Ari, you know, it, 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 it's not the most efficient way of playing the champ, but like, who cares what the one tricks do? Just pick one of them, you know, just pick one of them. All right, so that was the short-term part of the article and said more longer-term thinking. So Riot Games' long-term investigations. In the long term, we're investigating a couple of larger spaces. To caveat, we're thinking about these spaces very broadly and do not have specific directions for them yet. We're just sharing them so you have an idea of what we're thinking about. We're not promising any particular outcomes. First off is burst damage. We're analyzing how and when high bursts of damage and examining their effects on gameplay. We want to keep the game exciting with high stakes decision making, but we also want to ensure that fights are reasonably understandable and counterplay is still possible. We're still very early in, in this investigation, but our current belief is that burst kills happen too quickly and too often. One option we're considering is to reduce damage output under at least a few conditions, most likely, most likely mid-late game against very low defense champions. That's not saying we're deleting assassins or anything. It's a touchy area, and that's why we're taking our time to investigate the data. As a friendly reminder, we're not guaranteeing to ship anything in this space yet. Even if we do, the goal isn't to ensure you can never get one-shotted, force a tank meta, or any other hyperbolic areas. I love that. I love the way they're wording that. It's very, very feel-oriented. Yeah, like that's on, and that's that's why it should be. Let's just feel it out. Let's like look at the data. Let's see what happens. Yep. That's why you got to put in the crown. Time back to that video I roasted before. Like. You gotta have this in here to see what the hell you happens. Test it out, yeah. You gotta put, test it out. What do you want to happen? Yeah. You don't want this item to be there. You can't really have, especially in the preseason at the time. You don't want to have an item that's like underpowered. Just comes in. There's like, oh, no one's gonna build it because you do no damage and you're not. You want to make it overpowered to incentivize people to build it. And then you go. Then you can test it out. And then you can go. You okay, now backwards. we can tune it. It's, it's much easier for items to be overtuned and go backwards. Yeah. Then be weak and go forwards. Yeah, you, you're not gonna have the data. No one picked. Not gonna have the data because no yeah. one's gonna build it. Yep. Yeah. And also on top of that, it's you would want to get the overpower stuff out of the way first when it's in preseason when the ranked and stuff doesn't matter as much. Second, we believe that systems like items and runes provide too much healing and sustain right now. We've done some work to address this over the course of 2021 but we're still meaningfully off from where we want it to be. We haven't settled on the details yet, including whether changes to systematic healing should go out in one large swing or through smaller changes spread out over time. The answer partly depends on what we end up doing with burst damage because 
The longer it takes to kill champions, the more powerful sustain gets. Yep, that is true. That's so smart. I didn't think yeah. of that. It actually makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Because people who tank your, you, you can burst and healing makes a, yeah, it makes a lot more difference. Like I think of it very practically when you're versing Vlad. It, versus Vlad, you either have healing reduction, you can slowly chip him away, or you got to just one-shot him. Yeah. That's why Vlad is very unfun to verse in lower elo because if you don't understand burst and wave management, it's just out of control and healing becomes like now like with eve you don't build healing reduction because your job is to one shot someone yeah. healing's on a thing so yeah it makes sense the longer fights go the more healing gets op but then it's like then you got the burst and it's useless against burst yeah it's interesting it's very it's a very complex dynamic so i think they're like factoring up a lot of fact like they're getting a lot of factors there and it's great considering it so it's i mean i think fantastic. they're spot on and i think they 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 are going in the right direction remember there was the fleet meta right they definitely and they nerfed um, a few items they don't have gore drinker and stuff like that like they are going in the right direction they're just tinkering away like i think league is in it's one of its most balanced forms ever mm. i think this next season is shaping up to be one of the most balanced seasons of league ever mm. straight up yeah i mean the jungle is is fascinating like i've been saying mm. like because yeah. right now it's interesting what they did with the crabs now it's actually harder to get to level six for a lot of the junglers right because you can't just do like two full clears and crabs and stuff like that but it's not to say scaling junglers are still good, right? Like, I feel like there's, it's it's very interesting. I think that early game junglers and scaling both work mm, right now. Yeah, interesting. I would agree enough, with that. You know? So, yeah, the, the jungle... I mean, maybe maybe it's just because it's preseason. We haven't seen pro play yet. Maybe it'll literally just go one way completely. But right now, I'm not feeling anything's more significantly stronger than the other. Even in mid, like, despite, despite like, the whole lethal tempo being a little bit overtuned and... Um, Victor and things like that, but I, I, across the board, it, I can see the, the the way the meta is like. It's viable to play many different ways in mid lane. You can play the TF, you can play the Casio, you can play, you know, the Akshan, the Syndra. You can play all these different champs, and they all work pretty well. It's just depending on what style you like. Um, I actually got asked, "What do I think of the the few overture?" Because I don't, I, I, they know people in the MLA know that I don't like answering this question because I don't like about talking about what's op and yeah, stuff like that like generalization yeah. but but i said there's three things yeah number one uh yone specifically with lethal tempo that interaction i don't think i think yone as a champion there's something off with it oh yone's getting out of control dude. it's out of control it, 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 i've been banning yone recently it's a very fickle champion because it's it obviously has no mana relatively low cooldowns high wave clear non-committal trading very as an safe. assassin yeah. scales and can win lane it's a it's a tricky combination. Like it's too much outplay potential. I think they they need to do the Cassidy approach to it, where it's like we need to make its early game way weaker. Mm. You know the thing with Yasuo, there's no there's not much outplay potential. That's I mean, a good a good Yone can nearly always survive a lane pretty yeah. well and have somewhat decent outplay potential. There needs to be something, that, especially, and I think Yone is one of the champions that is. It's not it's not dictated by the champ itself. It's dictated by how the champ interacts with items and runes. Because he's, he's auto attack reliant. So when lethal tempo, if lethal tempo gets altered in some way or, or, or changes the way it's altered or interacts with Yone as a champion, then the champ can, I think, can be pretty balanced. And that's why I think when shield bow was really over strong, or Yone was objectively overpowered. Like there's, it's very hard to balance Yone because of how he interacts with these runes and items. So that's why I think they're taking their time because you don't know, you don't want to kill the champ. He's such yeah. a really cool, well-designed yeah. champion. It's more about how do you want to do it in a way where he's healthy and what is his identity, you know? Because um, I think they've done a, they do a good job with Yasuo in the sense that he's more feast or famine, he's more committal, and he has obvious counterplay. Like he has a long cooldown on his win wall, which in a way you could say Yone has a long cooldown on his E. But Yone, 
doesn't have to go in. He's not in that location. Like he can kind of sit back and farm and um, more, more more so than Yasuo. And Yasuo power troughs way more than Yone. It feels like Yone doesn't really have a power trough. Like you do kind of a little bit, but even when you get Berserker Greaves, you're still okay. Yeah. So that's what I don't like about that. And the and the two other the two other gems, obviously Victor. It is overtuned objectively. No, that will come down a little bit though. Um, and uh, Aurelia. Aurelia is fascinating, by the way. No one plays it because everyone's terrified of it. It is objectively unfair. Really? But no no, no one's good at it. Mm. No one can play it. It's just really hard. But if you're good at it, I think it's it's unfair. It's genuinely unfair. The damage is too high. Again, mm. similar problem to Yone. Doesn't have a weak point. You're strong and early. You're strong one item, two items. You scale well. You're just... It's just a very difficult, difficult champion to play. And I think if someone would be willing to put in the time to learn that champion, you know, you, and, you know, I guess overcome the adversity. There's a guy, actually, we saw 610 link me. He's into Rail King in EU. He got to like 1.1 thousand LP with like a 68% win rate with only Aurelia. And just, it's impre- picking it no matter what. You know, it's 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 pretty impressive. So you get some very very good Aurelia players that can just make it work. So, those are the three champions that I think are a little bit need a bit of work at the moment. But healing, I think that they're going in the right direction. Healing is like I said before, stealth and healing. They're the two very difficult stats to kind of measure. I remember I did my itemization guide and we talk about Omnivamp and things like that. You can't even measure Omnivamp because how it reacts with certain champions. Um, who build attack speed and all that stuff, that sort of thing. It's just too awkward to to play around with. So we'll see how they go. I like the way they're thinking, though. I really do like the way they're thinking. Considering all the all the options, all the factors. Again, props well to Riot. Okay, she's such a Riot apologist. And we, we're getting paid from Riot, Nathan. Come on, yeah. you got to be nice. I will. I'll be after this. I'll be adding Riot, Nathan. This is going to be money. Riot, Nathan. Yeah. And and we remember we have we have we have all the the good accounts. Riot give us the good teammates. That's why we're high elo, Nathan. Yeah. So everyone oh, else, right. they get bad teammates. Yep. We get good teammates. Yeah. Because Riot, so they have this advanced algorithm. Never loses Q. Yeah. I'll, I'll show you. This is what someone wrote to me in my uh, Discord about our accounts. Nathan. Jesus, this is what you talk about in your Discord. Yeah. This is such low quality. Oh, no, it's getting out of control. <laughs> this is this is a this is a, one of the memes that was running through my... In the meme channel. All right. Sorry. Give me one second here. Give me a second. Two milliseconds. And do you want to go into mailbag after this? Yep. We can jump into mailbag after Curtis talks about his, uh, why Curtis is a kid. All right. Well, I'll, 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 I'll find it in a bit. Give me a second. We'll, we'll do a break and then come back right. for mailbag and then I'll kick it off with the mailbag. All right. Away we go. All right, we're back. So before we get into the questions, Nathan, we're going to steal the show yet again. Yep. And uh, yeah, so anyway, I found it. Um, we so we're talking about, you know, some guy talking about how great the year was. And this guy came in piling with a sarcastic comment saying, damn, I wish I could grow like that. If only I had better teammates. And I said, yeah, I always get bad teammates. He says, I don't know, man, you made it to challenge us. So clearly your teammates played a higher level than mine. Yes, said, yeah, Riot likes my account. And then, um, and then Swagnar came and he said, you'd be bronze if you got my teams in NA. <laughs> said, no, remember, Riot likes me. They give me the better teammates regardless of the server. And then some, later on, this guy said, yeah, it's a crazy story, but believe me, it's true. When I was a data, sci- was, when I was a data scientist intern at 
Riot Games, we were investigating using statistical clustering to matchmake people with the approximate same skill level according to win rate, match history, rank, MMR. Yep, it was all pretty standard and done with machine learning algorithms. However, there was a flagged project called Curtis Morgan. And according to Riot Dick Blaster, my supervisor at the time, <laughs> that was the highest clearance project where only mathematicians working on the most cutting-edge algorithms... Had, had to find precisely the best teammates for a man named Curtis Morgan to always win the game. I think his name was <laughs> Coach Curtis or something. Damn, I hate that lucky bastard. <laughs> and some guy was saying, damn, I actually, he honestly had me in the fourth, with the first fourth sentence of that message. <laughs> he actually works at Riot. He, he was like, oh my God. This guy worked at Riot, he worked at some project. <laughs> That's a good conspiracy theory because it actually makes sense. If you're on this podcast, because you're successful in solo queue, you can say, look, well, you know, this is what I do. This is all my mindset of the game. But they're actually giving you all this luck oh. with all these teammates. So you actually could actually be some grand conspiracies. So we're actually partnered by Riot. Yeah. And they've actually You're given us an agent. advantage. Undercover we're an undercover agent. Cause, and they're trying to get us to, like, push, like, the, the, the healthy relationship stuff with the game. Yeah. But they're doing it but in a way. But we're actually just getting lucky. It's, not, it's all luck. You don't need a healthy relationship with the game. Uh, yeah. So everything we said is just wrong. Yeah. Yeah. What do you reckon? Good, man. It's a good conspiracy. I'm looking forward to that in the comments, guys. That's a, gr- that's a great conspiracy. We get Alex Jones on here and you can talk about it. Anyway, that was the lowest IQ conversation in Discord ever. Any, if, in, uh, <laughs> give me all those persons' names. <laughs> if any of them want to switch to jungle want to get insulted, they're banned. <laughs> all right. Our first question for Nathan's mailbag here. It's not really a question. It's a letter. More specifically, a love letter. Oh! The title of this email is Hello and Goodbye, a love letter. Oh, no. And this is from Harold. Am I going to cry? It's a love letter, Curtis. You might be all sobby, you know? Okay. Get the tissues out. Hello, Nathan and Curtis. I'm about to drop a bit of a long letter, but I know it's your speciality, so buckle up. My name is Harold. I discovered Coach Curtis on YouTube a couple of months ago, where I specifically loved his videos about mindset and ranked journey. I've previously felt pretty alone in my love for the game of League, especially when viewed more as a traditional sport. Shortly after this, I discovered the Broken by Concept podcast and quickly became addicted. It was so refreshing to hear someone talk about the game I love, not with a blind rage, but with a professional and critical approach. A month ago, I joined MLA. I've always loved Anivia, but three blocks, reviews, learn objectives, and so on has just elevated that to a new level. Unfortunately, I have to leave the Midland Academy because this, with this new way of playing league, I get tilted out of my mind at myself when I, in my busy day, play a normal or just one game of ranked when I'm not focused. I see myself play not for improvement, but for the singular game and succumbing to rage and tilt to a point I haven't before. This worked great, but when I had the time to play a three block a day and review... But that just wasn't the case anymore. Obviously, it sounds like he's really busy with the schedule and he can't do that process and the improvement uh, approach to the game. I've always been the type to try, type to get swept up by something new and really want to improve at it. This has fortunately, but unfortunately for my league play, let me develop a lot of hobbies, including but not limited to bass, piano, badminton, bouldering, baking, cooking, speed running, escape rooms, hiking, board games, and so on. On top of this, I work 40 to 45 hours a week, which I love. And when I get off work, I almost always prioritize being with friends. On top of this, I'm hopefully soon going to be in an amateur baking competition. So that is going to take a lot of time, a lot of my time the next few months. 
I'll therefore be leaving the MLA for a little while while I focus on the other things. I will, however, not be leaving empty-handed as I will steal your entire process, Curtis, and use it to hopefully win the competition and to get good at my other hobbies. I look forward to get back into the league in the MLA once I win the Bake Off. Sincerely, Harold. The great British Bake Off. So it looks like Harold here, he's uh, suffering from success. The process, the growth mindset from it's the broken wrong concept is as he's just doing everything. He's, got, he's just got to make sure he doesn't become a generalist. Yeah, well, that's the only thing, you know, when you say all these things, you know, like, like Lee, you know how we talk about in that last episode, uh, sorry, the niece one about it's important to get really good at something because then you really get to know the love of it, right? Like if you're doing all these things, you're not going to be able to get to like the level where you can really like appreciate be, the craft. Be creative. Or, you can't be creative. Yeah. Yeah, it takes, look, look, yeah, we've been very vocal about this. You know, the game gets more fun the higher you get. And with any endeavor, like I said, with skateboarding, the better you get at something or guitar, the more fun it is because you you now have the the skill set, the muscle memory, the the baseline fundamental learning, uh, understanding so that you can apply your own touch on things. Um, so look, at the end of the day, we're not here to really tell him how to live his life. At least in my, our experience, um, getting good at one or two things is superior or more satisfying, I would say, or more enjoyable than being average at a lot of things, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Um, again, just our take. I don't, that's definitely not well, We have objective. a very old school stone age approach. It's like you're either the baker or the blacksmith or the farmer. Like that's, that's right. We're very old school, aren't we, yep. Curtis? You know? So, uh, yeah. So that's... Um, that's awesome to hear. And, uh, you know, when you have the time to get back to really taking the game seriously again. I mean, know? but the process is going to work with anything. That's it right. It doesn't matter whether That's it's baking or skateboarding or guitar or piano or whatever. You, you you do something with intention. You look at the process and how would you did it. And then you can get specific. What do I wrong? Why is it wrong? Try it again. Rinse, repeat. Take those learnings. Go again. Yeah. As much intensity, intention as possible. That's it. Rinse, repeat. And that's, get into the review. Yeah. And I mean, that's what we talk about the podcast. Like league for me was the first time I learned how to learn. I actually got good at something because I hated everything at school, right? There's no one thing. But then once I actually figured out, actually, this is how I can get one good thing. It's like, okay, well then how can I dominate the esports business side of things? How can I, you know, start a YouTube channel? You know, it just flows and flows and flows, right? All right. Next one here. This is an interesting one. This is from... Uh oh, never mind. He said, "Please call me anonymous." Don't <laughs> you're gonna have to put a air. beep there. Yeah, you put a beep. Yeah. All right. So my bad. That's the, just the the. the it's funny because you put it as his first line as well. But like I always do the first thing. I read the title and the person and then end the... of review. All right. The title of this email is esports versus NFL esports dynasty building. Wow. It's exciting. To Nathan and Curtis, just finished watching another week of NFL football and it ended up sparking a couple of questions I have for you two fine gentlemen. I was staring into an empty void after my team lost, an absolute cracker of a game, and my heart felt as though it was ripped away from me. <laughs> this brings me to my first question. Do you think it's possible for esports to ever reach the emotional attachment that pro sports have? This would pertain to both players and fans. I feel as though it is impossible for esports to do this as the players in pro sports can change the tide of a game through sheer will and desire, whether it be refusing to get tackled and fighting for that extra yard or kicking a ball 
with that extra bit of power to beat the keeper. This is what makes pro sports captivating to fans, in my opinion, so you can feel the emotions of a game as you root for your team. By contrast, in esports, I believe players are rewarded for playing with less emotion and more robotic. Also, because every situation can only yield XYZ results based on variables at play. Whereas in pro sports, anything can happen on any given play, meaning there's always an element of hope within each moment of the game. What are your thoughts on this? And if do you agree with my take? What do you think esports would need to add in order to reach the same level as pro sports? That's a very interesting question. Do you want to start? Do you want me to start? Do you want me to start? You can kick off, Curtis. Let me so, just add my thoughts. I think... I think it can. Um, so you think right now it doesn't? It doesn't, but it can, I think. Okay, so let's, let's differentiate a few things here. Number one, um, I think when it comes to a sport like NFL, what makes it so amazing is it's the entire entertainment package. It's the, the geographical location of the team. Like you're kind of tied to your city. The city, yeah. Um, there is also the factor of the environment, like the, the huge crowds and the, the chants and the colors and it's the whole thing. It's, it's experience. not, it's the whole experience. That's what league is missing largely, especially due to COVID and the fact that it's, everything is international. We're missing the, the experience of going to a game and, or even in think of like NFL, it's like, isn't a, isn't a Sunday, Sunday night NFL or Monday, Monday NFL is like a day. Like, you know what you're getting into. It's like, I, I'm going to, on this day, there's going to be these games. There's going to be the pregame at the same and whatever. It's going to be the commentators, the analysts. Like, it's the whole package. It's a, it's a very culturally ingrained experience as well because they're tied to colleges as well. So it's not just what you're seeing on the field. It's the culmination of many things up until that point that are contributing to your attachment to this team. So given that a sport like NFL or the traditional sports have been around and they have intricate, you know, pretty thorough systems that have kind of been at play for a long time, I think that esports can, given they get integrated into colleges and um, talent development pathways, do get established over a long period of time. This is all an if, depending if league is around long enough for this to happen. If league is does get kind of evolve and change and kind of stays a, a, as a game for long enough over the next fifty years or something, then sure, I, I see no reason why it couldn't. All right, we're back. All right, we're back. Just, so we had some technical difficulties. Just don't ask, honestly, guys. All right, so we left it off. I was doing my take, but then we were cut off. So well, Curtis, your your last thought. The last thing about. I was going to say was um, I might have forgot some things, but I was just saying. I think a younger version of Timmy here, I know it's not Timmy, but let's say young Timmy who grew up in a different time, maybe like 15 years in the future where esports is more, I guess, integrated with, with society and integrated more with the colleges and, the, and there's more development um, tracks. And it's more of just like a respected thing. That person, that young kid will have a much deeper connection with the sport than, um, than he would because he's kind of grown up in the era of... American football and NBA and, and things like that. It's like, it's a different, we grew up at a different time. I don't think we can have that connection. We have connection with things that we grew up as a kid a lot of the time. It's part of us. It's part of who we are. So yep. that's something to keep in mind as well. Yep. I think also the narratives and 
the excitement around it. Like you said, like Timmy growing up, you know, he sees his parents get really excited and like, you know, the event of going to a game. It's just not really there. And for everyone wears the jerseys. And If I was thinking about why did I get interested in UFC? It was because of Conor McGregor. It was just like storyline, super interesting guy, you know, like trash talking the players. Like, I didn't really care. I mean, for me, I was never, I never did fighting growing up. Actually, I did do a bit of karate, but I mean, not nowhere even close to that sort of level, right, obviously. But um, yeah, like that's what got me interested in the sport, just because of like the people you want to see them win and lose, you know, and that sort of stuff. So yeah, I think that was just not there, just the personality wise and stuff like that. No one that. gives a shit the about half the teams. No one cares. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I think, well, the, the narrative, the, the model for esports is the only teams that will get a fan base is teams that win. That's just it. Well, it's true, though. You're not going to follow a, a fighter that doesn't win, though, in a way. Well, it's different in traditional sports. Because right. I'm thinking of UFC you, specifically, though. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. You don't... I mean, obviously, the teams have, you know, fluctuates in ticket sales and stuff, but there's still a city behind that team, even though maybe people don't go to the games as much. Right, and that ties into the geographical element of things. That's the yeah. thing, yeah. So that changes things a lot, I think. But I think because of the lack of history in the sport, I mean, it's such a, sh- I mean, in league anyway, it's such a, sh- so young. I mean, it's just a baby. There, re- there is very little history to be had. Very little storylines. It's just not there. And and the format changes every year. Like, we're still experimenting. We're still in the early, early and the phases. other thing as well is to keep in mind, Nathan, why there might be a not a very deep connection. From a Western, let's talk Westerners, because we can't talk about Eastern That's right, culture. Yeah. But from a Western culture, NA, you know, stuff like that. A lot of the time, Korean and Chinese teams are winning. Yeah, that's right. So it's very difficult to build that connection mm. with, and especially when the teams are filled with a lot of imports as well. I feel like there's an element of that as well. Um, uh, so, so I think there is a bit of an issue there, which might limit the connection you have with the team. Um, there's something to consider. The most interesting thing for me about this is what when I was uh, at Dials and we talk about sponsorship and pitch meetings and stuff was the. Um, the thing that differentiates sports and esports is that the participation is nothing like sports. Like, you don't go and play an NFL game after you watch an NFL. Or American football, Or period. American football, right? Or like basketball. Because, you know, the, the, and, and you can't replicate what Michael Jordan or something did, right? But for, exi- for um, league, you can like look at a pro game. Then the next game, you pick that champion. Theoretically, you can do everything that that person can do because it just clicks. And well, movement. even like a random goal player could sit and practice too and practice that combo, combo he saw Rookie doing with LeBlanc. Like he could do it. Mm. He could do it. And he could probably focus on it and do that in a game of solo queue if you really wanted insane. to. But think about that. Yeah, for the, for this dude watching an NFL game, you're not going to be able to replicate Tom Brady. You've got to get the whole team ready to go. And <laughs> yeah. You need an offense and a defense. That's just Logistically, logistically it's yeah. so hard to do. You're spot on. The participation. And that, that does give a little bit more connection to the game itself, doesn't it? Yeah. Because I think for us, Nathan, when we watch esports, what we love is how it would feel to be in their That's position. True, yeah. I think we can resonate more with a pro player, like, cause we play the game, you can actually resonate more with the player and what it would feel like to be in that situation. Like if you actually think, what would it feel like to be this player right now? And we even have pro view and things like that. That's really interesting mm-hmm. from like a, from a spectator's perspective. Whereas in NFL, you don't even really know what it would feel like to be Aaron Rodgers or, you know, is, is, is Ezekiel Elliott or any of those guys. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know what it would feel like to be in that no. scenario. You can't, it's so distant. Mm. Like, you kind of know it's hard. Right? <laughs> like, it's a different level between knowing how it would feel like to, like, knowing it's hard. Um, I think that's a, something there as well, potentially. I agree. 
So, like, I think it's it, it's really difficult to pinpoint whether or not we would ever get that connection, but I think it's theoretically possible. But it would require, a, 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 again, a significant integration. I mean, the content would have to improve. Like, the storylines and the narratives would have to be improved, like, massively. Um, the, the league itself would have to kind of grow in respect. The the integration of, of gaming and league into high schools and universities and colleges would have to grow. It would all have to kind of go in that direction. Um, funnily enough though, you know, in China, they are very connected. They are, yeah. It's like huge. it's insane. Yeah. Like you see those those videos of the colleges in, in China? After they Like won. the entire apartment block, everyone is swinging flags, running down streets. It's like, it reminds you of watching soccer or football mm. in, in mm. Europe. You know, it's crazy. There's a chance, like huge, huge squares of people. So maybe we, I think they have a deeper connection with esports for it's sure. A big interest overall of the game over well, It's there. more culturally accepted. Mm. It's it's more integrated into the way they live their life comparatively. Yeah, I mean, if you were to go run around running around with like a cloud nine flag down the street, people are like what are you okay. Doing? There's also two things I want to one thing I want to touch on here, Nathan. Yeah. I think we, we, we shouldn't conflate the feeling one gets versus the way it's expressed. So I want to use an example. In Australia, in Melbourne, especially, in Victoria especially, football or AFL, Australian Football League, is very big. Mm. It's huge. If you go to anywhere, someone's going to ask you about the footy. Did you mm. watch the footy? Mm. Who do you barrack for? Mm. Like we went to the beach the other day and then they're like, oh, you know, who do you barrack for? It's like the first thing that people ask. Mm. Mm. Um. It's so big, in fact, especially in Melbourne, when the grand final happens, they literally shut down streets after Richmond won the grand, win the grand final. Like the entire Richmond, the suburb of Richmond, literally gets filled. Every pub, mm. every bar, mm. people are jumping on cars. It's 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 crazy. Hundreds of thousands of people fill the streets. Given how, like, as a percentage of the population we have, mm. it's incredible. The actual Interest. percentage yeah. is incredible. But you got to be very careful here just because that's the way that's the way that culture and and footy that's footy culture that's the way it manifests that's not to say how some guy some kid in their room watching with their friend on discord watching you know skt or or dam one versus edg you can't really measure the the excitement and the that one person would have comparatively to another. They want to express that in a very different way by highlighting clips and, you know, maybe screaming a little bit. They're not going to go to a pub and smash beers over people's bottle, mm. over people's heads. They're going to manifest their, their interest in a very different way. So yes, I think that there can be different levels, uh, similar levels of excitement, but it's going to be manifested in a very different way. And I think that's an important dif- distinction to make because the way culturally, I think, again, culturally things are changing. And that's ingra- ingrained in the AFL culture and the um, European football culture and NFL. Everyone has a barbecue outside the game. Like this cultural things, events, and ways we, we manifest that excitement. Does that make sense? Yep. So I think that's also something to consider. So it's very difficult to measure. Very difficult to measure. Right, well, that was his first question. His second question was in regards to contrast of culture between NFL and esports. Mm, interesting. Specifically LCS. The NFL and esports are polar opposites in regards to the importance of culture. There's two current NFL examples I'd like to use. The first is the New England Patriots. They had the greatest sports dynasty ever, headlined by Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Last season, Tom Brady left, and the Patriots missed the playoffs for the first time in 20 years. Bloody Buccaneers. Yeah, we talked. We had that Tom Brady episode yeah. last year, remember? Legend. Go to the Buccaneers. Um... 
this would be the point in which most organizations implode, but not the Patriots. Belichick assessed his team's strengths and weaknesses, made modifications in the offseason, and despite a slow start and the media going crazy saying the Patriots need to rebuild and that they are amongst the worst in the league, the culture established enabled them to weather the storm, and as of writing this, they are the number one team in the conference and have the longest active winning streak in the NFL. The second example, we'll use the Miami Dolphins and the head coach Brian Flores. Coach Flores was an assistant coach under Bill Belichick before landing the head coach job with the Dolphins. Prior to his arrival, the Dolphins were a dumpster fire of a franchise. They hadn't truly been relevant for decades. In his first season, there was a noticeable progression of the Dolphins. They started out getting destroyed the first bit of the season, and they began to lose closely and beat the bad opponents they faced. And by the end of the season, they were beating some of the best teams in the league. In year two, it carried over and Dolphins went 10-6 and six and just missed out on playoffs. This season, the Dolphins started out 1-7, and seven, but Coach Flores never lost the locker room. And they, ever since then, they rattled off six straight wins. I preface, I preface my final question with this because I believe this couldn't happen with the current set of esports. However, if some multi-millionaire came in with a belief in culture, much like that in the NFL and bought into the LCS, offered you two some handsome six-figure salaries, a five-year guaranteed contract, with the objective of building a dynasty with the only, only NA players, how would you two go about such a task? Really get into the details as to the steps approach you would have. This is a very... I mean, we could, this, is, this will be the last question, because this is going to be so much. Yeah. Um, okay. First things first. I want to preface this by saying... NFL, American football, and specifically the, the, the league of the NFL, it's, I think it's the greatest sport of all time. Is my opinion. More than the NBA, Curtis? It's better. It, it, the close rival is UFC. Yeah. I think like fighting, like the, the hand-to-man combat, but I think NFL is like the great, like as an overarching, the entire thing, the combination of physical, mental, strategy, tactics, coaching it's the whole shebang it's it's everything um you know so i think that i don't think league as a sport can ever beat i don't think it can ever be as good as it i I don't think there is there is an element of the there's a physical part of like nfl like the physical element of it i think just trumps esports in a way personally for me i think that like again i'm a massive league obviously i'm a league fanboy i played it my entire life i have the choice to play a lot of physical sports but i chose by gaming for a reason i love it there was an out and, and i'm not even comparing him in terms of the difficulty or anything like that purely as a, like as an actual sport encapsulating we're talking at the pro level this is purely like esports versus nfl not the game of the sport like it, it's just a better package it's it's a better spectator experience it's coaching actually exists strategy and because the game doesn't change, I feel like there's so much more that you can do as well. Um, I, I just find it's hard to articulate. I need to really con- maybe spend some time to think about it. I just find that it's superior. And even if they were out at the same time, we ha- that doesn't even really make sense because they're completely different mediums. I just think that NFL would win. Or American football would win out in, in popularity. Um, so, Yes, those storylines are incredible, right? The whole Tom Brady going to the Buccaneers, winning with the Buccaneers, again in playoffs. Like, that is ridiculous. The reason these storylines can even exist, though, is because coaching is real. 
coaching at the esports level, it's still very much in its beginning stages. Yeah. There is a handful of coaches in the entire world. I think there's probably less. There's probably, in, in talking the East as well, there's probably less than 20 real coaches. Well, I mean, my perspective is that coaches at the moment, they don't actually have much influence, I would say, over the results of these teams. No, it's mainly just the players. Yeah. Like, you can't tell me you're going to get Showmaker, Nuggery, Ghost, Canyon, and Beryl on a team. Hmm. You can plug and play a lot of coaches That's and they're right. going to get top the same results. They're going to be pretty much similar, whether or not they, maybe the coach will make the difference between coming first or second or first and fourth, whatever. They're pretty much going to win nearly every single time because the players are just so goddamn good. The game is dominated by players. Coaches can only have so much of an influence. Yeah. Again, coaches are good from a management perspective at the highest level. When you're talking at the highest, highest level, they're more psychologists and therapists so and managers. Building culture as well. Yeah, and building culture. That's what they're for. Whereas... Why I think East, uh, American football is better is good. They also have to think about strategy. Coaches have a genuine say mm. and a huge impact on the strategy. Mm. It's more like chess. It's like they literally get to plug and play your strategy versus strategy. Whereas league, I just don't feel like it's coaches de- definitely have not that much. Re- it's weird. Like there's not that much strategy currently no. with the way the game is played. It's like there is a lot of correct and non. I mean, there is with comps, but it's 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 very constrained. But it's it's that's decided in the draft. Like once you're in the game, you just now you need to execute. Yeah, then you've got to execute. It's more in the just draft phase, which is oh, I'm not discrediting the draft phase. Is definitely it is definitely huge. That's probably that's actually where the coaches and stuff also have the most influence. But still, players have champ mastery and limitations in their champ pool. So yeah, it's and and even with culture as well, I think that players are more important. Like I'd say, I think leagues way more relevant closer to NBA because there's less players. Yeah. But even then, like there's plays and like think about like Nathan, you can't you can't discredit like like John Wooden and stuff. Like that proves that coaching That's true. John That's Wooden true. proves that bah, basketball is bah, more that was at like a amateur level. Like at the sorry it was the, college college basketball. Yeah, sorry, I mean the second level though. Yeah. Like getting up to people to get into like an yeah. NBA level. Like I think that the John Wooden Wooden stuff mm. is a little bit different because I think yeah. what we're getting at here is that the skill set of a coach in um, in American football, comparatively the skill set of a coach in maybe even NBA and in league, league. is very different. You ha- you got to over-index in certain skill sets. Um, and again, they're all great and very hard things to do, but you- they're different. I, I would say um, if we were to go, if we were having a go being coaches, mm. and say we had an all, we had free reign. Mm. Where would we start? I think number one... I think it's very simple for me, dude. Like, I would just purely tell the guys, I'll get five players and try and up the level of solo queue. That's it. And zero scrims and just come last. I think step number one would be completely and utterly aligned with the management. That would be step number one. I would have, like, the toughest conversation possible with management. This is likely what's going to happen. This is the sort of results or non-results that we're mm. going to expect. This is exactly what our approach is going to be. Like, just, so there's no surprises from a management and investment perspective. That's step number one. You would have to get aligned with all the owners, stuff like that. Step number two, you would have to get the players to really buy in with, and like be very clear about how we're going to run it. Like from the get go, like you don't want, like you want any, like any things that are, on their mind from the get-go to be kind of said. It's like all oh, the questions. All the questions. We're going to focus hardcore on solo queue. We're going to... This is re- how we're going to deal with adversity. This is... This is... And, and my... So I think the role that I would take largely is 
I, I mean, ideally, I, I don't think I could do mid lane coach and the role that I would want to do. Ideally, I would actually have to have someone else to do mid lane. Ideally, I would yeah. hire a positional coach for every other role. Um, you would be the jungle positional coach. And then um, I would actually urge what I want you to do specifically. This is what I would want to do. I would kind of want to be the the more focused on comms. I would want to be focused on comms and post-game discussion. And I would want to be the person that is able to kind of take, like do the drafts, the, the draft and the post-game discussion. I would want you to run all the positional coaches. So like, obviously each of you are going to be like a top coach, jungle coach, mid coach, but then you kind of lead. Because I feel like the game is really influenced by the jungler. In a way, and I feel like you would have a really good view of the game because you're the jungle. You get to mm. see everything at play. So, in a way, you're the jungle coach. But I would want you to kind of run the meetings of all the positional coaches. I'd want one of the positional coaches to kind of take charge and and run the positional coach meetings. In a way, um, so kind of like head coach, assistant coach, but you also honing in on jungle and then kind of running the positional coaches. I would go deep on post game discussion and getting a complete alignment between every role. The goal would be being every coach and every player has complete alignment on how the game is played and how they view the champ's identity and and exactly what the, how they how they view a game to be won from the start to finish. This will be started in solo queue. So if the coaches in if the coaches watching the solo queues the players solo queue can't even agree on how they would win that solo queue game, then that's a problem. So say you got a mid and jungle both in a solo queue game and then they review this game together, the coaches with the players. If the coaches can't agree on how the game should be played out, you would want all four players to be over time across the year to be as aligned as possible because that's going to influence the way they play fights. It's going to play where they're going to be viewing like their priorities. And, and that's what my goal would be to try and bring about as much alignment as possible. Um, and then... There would be a lot of 1v1s, a metric ton of 1v1s. There'd be a metric ton of solo queue. Everyone would be definitely, I mean, gym would be a mandatory every day for everyone, basically. Um, and it'd be actually pretty simple. I think it would actually be very simple outside of that. All right, Curtis. So his question was so, do you think you'll be able to build a dynasty doing that, Curtis? Well, you said specific. You said specific. specific how would you do it? Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, my answer to that question is it's just not possible. Like, I would need to be at it for 20, 30 years, dude. That's my perspective. I mean, no, I'm not. I'm saying if we were to coach, that's what I would do. But yeah, I'm not, that's not to build a dynasty. That's like to do the foundation. That's I, and then that's gonna. There's gonna be lots of flaws in that, though, Curtis. And you gotta oh, yeah. chip away at it. And that stuff. would be the start. That would be where I would. I mean, start. my foundation, Curtis, is purely because I mean, I mean, it doesn't even matter what I do. I could build a like a dynasty in NA, but if you want to win worlds, like the first problem solo queue, that's the first thing that needs to be. I don't even think. I I, I don't even know if a. I don't even know if a dynasty is even possible. Like a part of me feels like it might not even be possible in league anymore. Hear me out. Like, it is very difficult to win multiple years. No, because like, the reason yeah. is, is like, I don't know if being an esports professional is even sustainable in the first place. Yeah. I genuinely don't know if it even is. Really? So you think that it could all collapse in a couple of years? Like, okay. So let's say for some reason, Nathan, we coach for 20 years mm. and we perfect it. We have in our mind what we think to be a pretty good model or structure we might have just found out that the maximum amount of years you can win with the same players mm. is like two years. Yeah, well, then your job would be to find the next player. And then you have to find the next players, but they're not going to be integrated into your system. They're going to take time to integrate into your system to build the alignment, which is going to be like an alignment period or whatever it might be, whatever you fell into court at the time. I actually don't even think you would win that third year. It might even be in cycles. It's like, okay, we're actually going to win every like... 
two years. So we're going to win for two years, and then and then they, and then people are going to get weeded out and burnt out, and then we're going to have to get a, a process of building for like two years, and then it's going to take a year to train them well, up. That's what it was like in the NFL with Tom Brady. He didn't win back to back to back to back. To back. Yeah, but a dynasty is multiple right. years in a row. It's like the, the the Bulls, isn't it? Like, did they win back to back to back? The Bulls. Yeah, so the Bulls won three years in a row. Yeah, that was. A that's dynasty. a dynasty. A dynasty is you can't. A dynasty isn't you just win one then don't win. Then a dynasty is when you win multiple years in a row, isn't it? No, the Patriots didn't. Did you call those guys a dynasty? No, but that's because they had the same players, Nathan. It's the Bill Bill Belichick and the yeah, and but the Tom they Brady. they lost and they won again though. They lost many times, dude. Oh well, look, I don't know when they did. Okay, look, this is these are the because I think they of won. SKT as a dynasty. I think of the Bulls as a dynasty. These you know, are the Lakers years, or something. This is like the that. years they won, Curtis. Okay. Yeah. Two thousand and two. Yeah. Then they lost two thousand eight. Two thousand and four. Then yep. they won two thousand and five. Yeah. So two those are there. pretty close. Yeah. Yep. Then they didn't win for ten years. Twenty fifteen was the next time they won. Yeah. Twenty seventeen. It's not even a dynasty though. I wouldn't 2019, call it. Twenty nineteen. That's a dynasty. It's dude. not a dynasty. Okay. Well, there you go. That's not a dynasty. I disagree. What even is a dynasty then? Well, that's what a he dynasty, said. in my opinion, is like you're like it's like winning three times in a row minimum. You can't. I don't even think winning two years in a row is a dynasty. Okay. In my opinion, plus and then you got to get specific. Is a dynasty when you have the same players? Because they did it with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, right? Yeah. You would have been different players every two years, course, potentially. Yeah. So what I'm saying, the boy, and again, this is all theoretical. So we have no idea what the fuck our coaching would look like if we did it for 20 years. Yeah. But it might not even be possible. Because the burnout rate, like the work ethic required to get that good, especially in NA, to be globally competitive, mm. would be ridiculous. Like you'd be solo queuing so much. They'd have to sacrifice their life completely. That's right. It would be very difficult. Yeah. So I don't even know if it's possible. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly don't have an answer to the question. I have an idea of like what it would start. Just basically as simple as it is, is just make sure we're the best solo queue players in our region. That's step the one. The goal would be rank one to five. Yeah. Or rank one in every role. And then we will start working on the foundations. Yeah. That's basically it. And I don't even know if that would work, but that's my current, current, yeah. uh, yeah view of what's the priority over scrims it'd be overwhelming it's overwhelming to even think about it yeah isn't it it's like an impossible task i mean i haven't i've not even because you've been a coach for a team i've never actually been a coach for a the team, stress so. is unbelievable yeah it's so stressful so there you go who knows man i mean one day me and nathan we might go back into esports one day definitely not yet not anytime soon not anytime soon that's for sure but um yeah all right. I mean, again, and I don't even like, in a way, like it's an interesting question, but I even feel like a theorist to even, it feels like wrong. Yeah, you are a theorist. Because it's like, it's like <laughs> in a way, because it's like, we know yeah. just doing a mid lane coach, right? Or a jungle coach, how much we've dude, learned. so much more to go, dude. We've scratched the surface. Mm. I said to Nathan the other day off camera, like, I'm so, I was surprised at how much there is to, to being a positional coach. I, I never would have thought that. So I look back in a year, a, year ago i thought i was good but in reality relative to where i am now was dog shit mm. so i already then that means in a year from now again i'm gonna be i, I think i'm good now but i'm gonna be dog shit there is so much that we don't know mm. as coaches mm. that we're still figuring out imagine being a head coach of like a an esports team it's even it's overwhelming to even think about how many things you could improve upon you know it's you don't even know what it would look like. It's it's just no a different. Idea. It's like new technology that hasn't even been invented. You know, it's like the next computer. Yeah. Great. I mean, it's cool. Cool to think about. Well, another good question on the Nathan's mailbag. So we're happy to wrap it up there, Curtis. Yep. 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 All right. Good work, everyone. 
Enjoy your New Year's. We'll see you. Oh after yeah, this New is the last episode. Your last episode of the year. Goodbye, twenty twenty. Twenty twenty, you got us. Twenty twenty one. I always think we're twenty twenty. We're just permanently <laughs> stuck in twenty twenty, dude. Just never leave. <laughs> All right, good work, everyone. Let's keep on using the preseason to the best of our ability, and we'll see you next time.